FGA fans, do I have a treat for you. Joining me for today's episode is 16-time AMA club champion, 8-time Ulster club champion and 3-time All-Ireland club champion Aaron Kernan. And that's just his club, club stats. We'll add on top of that an NFL National Football League with AMA, 4-time Ulster champion with AMA and international rules win in 2008 one of the most decorated footballers you'll hear of and a very very interesting chat we had about Cross McGlenn about the community they have there and some of the things that uh, play a part in what made Cross McGlenn such a successful club over the last 20 years plus we chat about his venture into playing rugby with Dundalk what the comparisons were like, what lessons he picked up from changing sport for a little while. And we also talk about the state of GAA right now. Will Dublin be knocked off the perch? And we just talk about leadership and team ethos and talk about all the little habits, the small things that make a big difference as an athlete. Okay, enough talking by me. You kick back, relax, get out for your walk, do whatever you're doing, listen to this one. And you have a wonderful fucking day. Boom. There we go. Uh, thanks again for coming on, Aaron. I think the best way to start uh, start this, if there's anybody who hasn't doesn't know anything about Gaelic football, we'll just take it back to the start. You started playing lacrosse uh, when you're in 2001. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, that was my last year playing minor. And um, it was the first year we were asked to join the senior panel. Uh, generally, the club would let you finish out your minor, your underage football before you'd make the senior panel. So we were fortunate. We won the minor championship in 01. And I was part of the senior team then. So we just went straight back out, four or five of us, and togged out and got the experience of, of winning our first senior. Even though we did nothing for it, uh, we, we got the experience at anyway. Yeah, what was that like? You must have only been 17 going on 18 there, coming into a, a senior team with a storied history already. Was there a yeah, like it was, lot of pressure it was, or were, it, you, were you excited more than anything else? After this appearance. Hear better now, Darren? Ah, there we go, yeah. I was like, I can see the mouth moving, but I can't hear nothing. <laughs> no worries. You're, yeah, you know, you're just saying in terms of pressure, there's no pressure on us whatsoever whenever you're joining. It was just excitement. Um, like we hadn't won anything as a club up until 96. We hadn't won a championship in 10 years. Mm. And then obviously they went on to win the five or six Armas, three Ulsters, three All-Irelands. And the Ulsters and All-Irelands in particular, we'd never done. So for a young gay and cross coming up, sure that's all you wanted to be was part of that and to play along with those guys. So it was just really come in, learn the ropes, see what's happening um, and see if you're good enough to make the step off. And what if you were to go back and have a wee chat in the ear of your younger self? What would you What would you say back back to him back then? Patience, I can start probably. from scratch with that. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, that's what it was. Like, I, I had to be resilient because, like I said, my brother who was just a year older, we played the same age group at underage. He was getting on, and a few other boys were the same age as me. Similarly, we're getting game time, and like I mean, we were beating teams by twenty points in the championship, and like I couldn't even get on as a sub. Um, so it was tough like you know all you wanted to do was play for the seniors and you, you wanted to, to earn the respect of them and the only way really you can do that there is by is by playing and, and producing on the field and I didn't get that opportunity um, but if I look back now I actually I think it's the best thing that ever happened to me 
because I just had a I just had to work harder um, mm. in all aspects in terms of getting fitter, getting stronger, um, doing extras after training, um, just anything I really could. Um, and then even they wouldn't do is. Uh, like I asked the management I said here like what can I do to get on one guy told me he didn't really see me being a cross senior footballer um, and I just said right okay fair enough I'm probably wasting my time here um, and I dropped down and I played for a junior team uh, and they were on a good run that year they won the junior championship and at that stage there was a club in Monaghan Cromartin had set up um, an Ulster junior championship so I got to play for, for a junior team in it and uh, did did right, rightly and we had a new manager then come in from 03 and he luckily gave me my chance um, mm. at the start of 03 for the club and it snowballed from there. Was it a, like, I can imagine that was a hard thing to hear at that age to be like that you're not going to make it a, a, as a senior footballer. Do you think it drove you on more than anything? Oh, absolutely. Um, for a while now, I... I probably had a bit of self-doubt um, then where you thought Jesus maybe, sure, maybe I'm not good enough or whatever um, but speaking even to I was probably I was lucky I, I had dad at home um, mm. who obviously was a manager and um, he, he would have always been very supportive uh, and uh, yeah I, I just got stuck into it um, it was either agree with him and prove him right that I wasn't good enough or do something about it and make sure that uh, I got my chance and they like said 03 just even starting in the club league went really well for me and it, it snowballed from there by, by the end of that year I actually ended up being called on to the county senior panel um, so a lot happened in sort of 12 or 18 months um, which you know like I say it definitely I think it stood to me at the time it felt mm. like the end of the world and felt like nothing was ever going to happen for me but long term yeah definitely it, it has uh, it's had huge benefits for me it's funny those like you hear a lot about like people coming out of nowhere to do really well but it, you know, people always don't see that hard the hard part beforehand where you were, weren't getting game time you had to go you went and played with someone else for, for junior to get that experience and then you came back and then obviously things kind of picked up in a quick period of time um, yeah. you kind of remind me I don't know if you're big into NFL but Tom Brady have you ever heard of Tom Brady I have, yeah. I can't can, 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 can catch a hang of it, but I know of him, yeah, yeah. He uh, he got dra- he got drafted really poorly and sat in the bench for ages, and then he ended up being uh, most decorated, one of the most decorated NFL footballers as well. I just thought there was a definitely a parallel between that, and I think that there example of where you, you don't go into a, a team immediately, I think it almost stands in the long run because it just forces you to be more patient and, and you know not all the time you can fully decide whether you're not going to be on the team or not, you know, yeah, it's not always hundred percent down to you. Uh, I, I think you, you appreciate what you get out of it then even more because you know how hard you've had to work to get there where to be fair, like there are people who are just naturally gifted and maybe physically bigger and more developed and, you know, they make that breakthrough a, a bit easier. Um, and that you'll see that happens all the time. There's always maybe one or two guys who'll come out of minor and they'll make that step up that bit easier. Um, but uh, like I said, for me, it just it didn't work out that way. But it didn't have a, a huge bearing uh, in where I went for the the well. It's actually twenty years since I was going to say the ten years after, but <laughs> twenty years. 
Yeah, so 20 years after, 16 county club championships, eight Ulsters and three All-Ireland just with Cross Lone. We'll, we'll not talk about the county stuff for the for the moment. But uh, apart from that being a, a, ma- a massive, uh, what you call a cabinet that you're going to have to have for all those medals, or you probably already have, uh, I'm sure you picked up plenty of lessons throughout that time in a whole bunch of areas. But uh, longevity in your career seems to have been like, uh, like that, that's that's a, a, a long career but what's been some of the key things to keep keep you consistent with training and not getting injured and missing big chunks of of ball um i suppose there, there are probably a few things that have really stood to me throughout and it's a it's a simple one i suppose in terms of how i played the game and that there and it would go back to, to childhood um where dad's message just always really to me would have been do the simple things well um, and sometimes you have people now and they'll try the hard pass, the hard shot, you know, everything will have to be complicated where I just focus my game and making sure that I could do the basics well, that your, your foot pass was going to the chest, hand pass was going to the chest, like simple things now, like the amount of times you see someone will fist the ball, maybe only 10 yards, but it'll bounce before it gets the guy, like that's just pure laziness and switching off and it, it's the basic skills like that there, Dublin players do it. You know, they don't make mistakes. They do the basics well all the time. Um, they make their their teammates look well um, by putting the ball in their chest or putting it in the path of where they want to run to. Um, and it's no coincidence that they have so many of them that can do that there, which means you put all those small pieces of jigsaw together and you get what you have with those guys. Um, so that was something that just all always uh, stuck with me. Um, and a, a simple, sorry, you want it? I was going to say, do you would that carry across into the things outside of training? Then would you always look to do the simple things well, like you know, regarding food, your uh, sleep, and all those other extra things that make longevity a lot easier? Yeah, it, like GAA, even at club level now at this stage, like it's safe to say it's. By the time even I had started it with county back in in oh four, um, a club player now is doing the equivalent of what county football was back then and probably even more um and to me like there's a lot of negativity around it but i don't see the negativity because i just think we're we're as as in society in general like we're we've learned so much more you know we know what works for us you know we're we're more educated in terms of um our physical training our conditioning our nutrition um you know and that's all positives like but I think GA or Inter County in particular takes a bit of a bashing over it because oh there's so much to do. But like people in general are doing it anyway. Um, you know, the amount of people who go to the gym now, the amount of people who are looking after their nutrition, um, you know, a triathlete is the amount of people who do triathlons, it's it's not just GA where, where people are pushing the boundaries and that there. Like um it's across the board uh, where we're becoming a healthier nation, a healthier society. And for me, that that's positive. I, I, I don't see why we should be ramming it there in the throat of how many hours, you know, GA players have to do this or have to do that. Um, it's, it's helping you in life in general. Like, mm. None more so than now. Like, Jesus, if we didn't have the opportunity to get out and exercise or we weren't eating healthy, we weren't looking after ourselves, like, it's depressing as it is. But <laughs> exactly. Take that away from us and... And that's no joke, like do you know. Or even the even the people who are yeah, I seen you, you you tweeted a while back, uh, thanking all the GA players for playing and entertaining, uh, because otherwise people would have been bored stiff, you know, not being able to go to club games, not being able to participate in their own club games and stuff. You need something. So if they weren't looking after themselves and putting in all those hours, then there'd be no entertainment. <laughs> 
after well I tell you what it was for me it was just shortening the week it gave you something you were talking in the build up to a game you got to watch a game and you got to talk about to know what went right what went wrong and next thing you were doing it all over again and because it was such a condensed season there was football and hurling coming at you from all angles so it was brilliant because in general winter's a depressing enough time it's dark whenever we go to work it's dark whenever we're coming home from work you know your days just seem brushed um so absolutely i I just thought it was it was brilliant um to have a an inter-county season there which they say entertained us entertained us all i i i I can draw i drew some similarities between the 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 let's i i don't like the word domination but domination at a county level with, with, with cross he's won 16 you've won personally 16 in what's that 20 20 ish years of playing so well that all, was yeah that was that was actually 21 i just finished so i think it's going into 22 now yeah yeah so that's that's what all but five five ish years of, of winning that's dominance and dublin are dominating at the county level um now do you see what what do you think is going to be the the difference or the 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 beating of Dublin. Do you think it's just going to have to be a, a bad day, or the the way they're going at the minute? It, if they're firing on all cylinders, I just really can't see anybody beating them. Um, mm. I did genuinely feel that Kerry uh, had the opportunity to, to go and do it this year, and I definitely thought that they would have built in what they did in in two thousand and nineteen. Um, and just from a, a purely neutral perspective. Uh, while it was exciting to see the goal going against Cork, my heart sunk because I was like, oh, Jesus, that's it. It's over. Like, <laughs> there's no championship. <laughs> Forget about it. Uh, so, and it, it, it was disappointing. Um, I, there's still clear favourites again. Um, mm. And I, I, I do agree with the argument where people say, some people say, oh, it's just a generational thing. But in fairness to, to Cross, we probably were similar that in Dublin in that there was always one or two players that was coming through every year that was just mixing it up. So by the time, say, my first All-Ireland in 07, probably half the team now definitely would have been part of the, the, the All-Ireland, the three winning teams in, mm. in, the, late, in the late 90s. Um, but by the time, uh, to, even only two or three years later, uh, we just, would have had Oshin McConville and Paul Herty. Um, mm. Sorry, Fran- Francie Bellew uh, was still about, and John yeah, McGee yeah, was Francie. there for one of them. So you're, t- you're she, but you're talking two starters, um, and then John Mack and Francie would have been coming off the bench. So it was a completely different team. Um, but for me, what happened was we grew up seeing these guys going to Croke Park, winning, being successful, and we slowly were drip fed into the system where we seen how dedicated they were, how driven they were, the desire to continue winning and, and the ability to deal with the pressure of having to win. Mm. That, 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 like, that is huge and people don't probably give it enough credit. Like, it, it, people do think like, oh, you win championships or it's grand, it's handy. Like, but the pressure of having to win, it's hard to handle. Like, it's hard to deal with. You, know, you, you do feel claustrophobic with it, but we, we got into it and environment with those fellas and we've seen how they dealt with it um, and I, I think it, it just inspired a, another generation then that was coming after and like I said then we were fortunate where we won the All-Irelands then in, in 11 and 12 um, and 
we're still fairly successful at uh, county and provincial level. Um, but the disappointing thing for us is, uh, so I, I don't know whether we're probably heading into a, a third generation, maybe fourth generation now of players. And and for us, we we don't uh, we haven't been as consistent in, in winning Armas um, or haven't been competing at Ulster level. And that's something that as players now, uh, we really need to take on board and mm-hmm. see what we have to do to, uh, to raise the bar to make sure that we get back to the levels that that we've seen before us because um even just me personally that's what I grew up seeing that's what I was part of and I wouldn't be happy if I if I thought I was just going to walk away and leave it there uh, for younger boys to fend for themselves mm. now with with no no ambition or no belief that they can then go on and, and carry the thing on themselves so mm. that I suppose is now my motivation for for continuing like I, I, it's it, it's funny you mentioned a couple of characters that I'm sure most people who who, who are fans of GA will know of, uh, Francie Bellew, uh, Oshin McConville. You're almost in a similar position as Oshin was when you start when you were playing on the earlier winning teams. That you're like not 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 in a bad way, but you're getting getting towards the later stage of, of your career, and uh, you want to push on the younger boys for the, the future generations. Is there anything you learn from them boys early on that you're trying to incorporate now, or you have been incorporating? Uh, Oshin, well, I suppose those two boys, they, they never were, they weren't big talkers. Um, it'd be grand if you're having a crack with them, but mm. they wouldn't be, you'd never hear them shouting in the change rooms. You'd never hear them giving off the people on the field. Uh, they're led by actions. Mm. Um, and, you know, they probably wouldn't have been as renowned as, you know, there's just different people that it was sort of common knowledge. Oh, they're hard trainers. Those boys do all the work. But uh, in terms of once it comes to, to fitness work and that there, uh, they left nothing. You know, they mightn't have been top of the lane all the time, um, but they absolutely emptied themselves. And I think that was just the one thing that um, you could throw a few more men who'd be in the same category as them, that they weren't huge talkers, but they always led by actions. And I suppose that's the, the best form of leadership that you can show to anybody. Um, instead of talking your way around things, they just got the head down and got stuck in and did it um, and that was definitely something that that rubbed off uh, on me and it was it was something that I just appreciated everything that that they were doing right up till, till the very end um, like I said the, the legs just mightn't have been what they used to be but it, it didn't stop them they still had the, the same hunger and desire um, to, to go out and perform uh, and try and make sure that they kept us at the top but mm. um Brilliant characters, brilliant players, brilliant leaders in their own right. Um, and someone who we were very fortunate to, well, I was very fortunate to, to enjoy plenty of football with at both club and county level. You, you, picked, you picked on something there about the effort and, and consistency with the effort. I, uh, I was listening to podcasts recently and they were talking about Olympic weightlifters and, and they were saying, what was the one characteristic that determined whether or not they were going to be really successful or not? And it wasn't, you know, talent. At, uh, it wasn't genetics or anything like that. It was, it was their ability to not get bored by working hard consistently. You know, they didn't, they weren't bored of turning up three, four, five, six times a week to train, do their gym work. And they never got bored with it. They found enjoyment in all the boring little details of, of training. Um, would you say that is a, a, a part of what you tried to do across is that you every session, every time that you step into that training pitch, you're, you're giving it your all. Yeah, it is. It's massive because I suppose you, you just also have to ask the question, like, 
why are you going there? What what is your? Are you going there just because you go there? Are you going there because your car ended up there? Are you going there because your friends are there? You have to have a reason of why you're going there, uh, and that reason has to excite you. It has to energize you. Um, and like you're not going to be jumping out of your skin every night, whether it's a gym session or pit sessions. Um, you could be commuting. You could have got no sleep all night because you have children. You could, you know, you had a tough day at work. Um, but that's the beauty of team sport for me is just always someone there to to egg you on and there's always someone there that has your back um and i think that's what that's what helps most people get on um in terms of creating that right environment it always comes from the top and i think we've always had managers from within the club um and they've all had their own different styles their own different slants but they've always had um suppose the love of cross there um and to be fair to them all they've had they all had experience of of playing and, and winning championships themselves so they appreciated uh everything that it, that it took uh to be successful as players um and they always put their own slant on it um mm. you know in terms of how they manage teams or their man management skills um but it is it is difficult at the minute um you know trying to uh I suppose the world's a much smaller place and this past 10, 15 years it's, it's got even smaller you know, in terms of um, your social media where you see what other people are doing all over the world or you see people on holidays, you see people in the gym, you see people travelling um, and we probably, we, we, it's not probably, we didn't have that in Ireland 15, 20 years ago so mm. our focus was always like the club and um you know what was happening around us um so you know social media has has definitely played a, a huge part and so it's broadening people's horizons which isn't a bad thing either too um because but it takes their attention away a little bit as well a lot of it as well yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it does it does there's no doubt about it um but there's some people who still will travel and there's some people who won't and there's some people who uh, they'll just always be homeboards um, mm-hmm. and it's it's trying to get those boys that are that are homeboards um, to like I said just to continue to buy into the same thing and enjoy the same thing and, mm-hmm. and want to earn that bit of success themselves because it is it's probably cliche and it's a boring old thing but genuinely it is for me um it's always a bit something coming. Like I, I have two wee boys now and a wee girl, and you go up to even around their six and under eights training there, and you see, it's Tony McEntee, it's Oshin McConville, it's these boys coaching them again because they're giving a bit back, mm. um, and they're trying to to give something to the young people of town to look up to, to aspire to, um, and sport is absolutely brilliant for that. So success is is class, and success is enjoyable, and it definitely makes the effort worthwhile. Um, but you know, just in general, being part of a team and being part of a club and um, a culture like that, there for me, it, that's actually the most important aspect of of being involved in sport, and it's it's the reason why I would like my own children to be involved in sport because I know how much I've got out of it myself. I think I think that's an important thing, and I and from the outside looking in, it seem it all, it always seemed that as, as a team, you, you always seem like you are a tight knit group. Um, was that a, a conscious thing that you think coaches try to incorporate, whether through like I don't know, going away before the season or just the way that they manage the team? It, it is, yeah. Um, and to be fair, like there's no point in saying there is times just with success and that there, and every one of us absolutely have egos, and the more you win, the bigger your ego gets. So like we all need checked and we all need pulled back into lane. But the, the biggest 
team bonding or the biggest way that I felt we've always been pulled together as a group has been absolutely dug together. Um, and that I just felt like if, if everyone is killed and everyone has to do the same stuff and everyone has to suffer, once that session's over, nobody's died. You just sort of stand there and go, Jesus, do you know what? We're just a wee bit closer as a group here. Like nobody broke, nobody quit, nobody walked away. Um, and I think that's where you're, your camaraderie and your bond starts to grow from that there because it sort of shows that everyone's in it together. Um, mm. And uh, like, yeah, definitely it's, it's those sessions where you've been pushed that hard and your, your ears pop and all you can hear is your heart beating in your, in your skull <laughs> <laughs> and you're thinking, right, I can't give any more. And they might say, go one more and that's it. And like you say, you, you survive, you don't die. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it makes it that wee bit more resilient. But as, as a group, I definitely think it helps and pulls everyone together. A lot of questions I got from people was around the, the culture around, around, around Cross and the team. And I'm sure it's something you get, probably get asked a good, a good bit. But uh, like, apart from what we've spoken about before, what do you, what do you think that makes, makes yeah, Cross a little bit different? Because not a massive population. There's about, what is there, about 1,600 or so in, in, in Cross. Um, so it's not like the, the talent pool is way larger than every other team. What, what do you think... Uh, makes a big difference we guess probably a few key factors number one and probably we know this guys and it is tradition is massive um mm. you know having that winning tradition or, or seeing other people doing it um it does it definitely gives you the self-belief well it gives you desire to number one to want to do it yourself but it does give you belief that it is possible um so that that is huge and i, I would never underestimate it another one then really probably is we don't have a huge pile else to be at um, you know, there is a there's a soccer team uh, in town, but you know there is really no other distractions and no other major outlets um, mm. in terms of, of sport in the town. So uh, GA always has been number one. We don't play a hurling either, um, so you don't even have a, a dual issue within the club. Um, so that definitely is is another important factor and. Uh, I, I just think that I suppose what really has snowballed this past. So 30 years or whatever it's gone on now or 25 30 years is is just a success and um the next generation having suppose the access to to meeting these boys seeing these boys mm. train and um joining the environment that they're in uh i, I think that's what's been able to, to keep the sort of longe- uh, longevity uh within the club um and it, it's it's like up until 96, we still had the most county titles in Armagh, but we had never won an Ulster. Um, we'd never even made an Ulster final. Um, you know, so what, what we seen or what I seen uh, growing up was just breaking new territory, but it definitely lit a fire within me and, and my generation. Um, and like I said, it, it's, thankfully, it's just gone from one to another and even we're, we're still successful at, at minor level. Um, we still have a lot of good young boys who are, who are coming through every year. And I would fully believe that we have the talent pool um, within the club um, and the structures within the club that... Um, we have the the ability to go on, um, you know, to be competing at um, county, provincial, and all Ireland level again in the very near future. Would you say that the fact that there is, uh, you're saying that there's a soccer team there, but it's not as much of a draw? Uh, would you say the fact that there's only one club is the uh, makes a big difference in boys dropping off? Because I know from like underage teams that I played with and played against uh, in Loud, the amount of people that just dropped off and that doesn't don't play football really again. You know, I'd either play in other sports or they just lose interest. 
To be, to be fair, unfortunately, we would have still have quite a high dropout rate ourselves. Um, and it, it, it's always been that way. Like, I suppose if I went back and I looked at even, say, the best players that would have played on, say, my underage teams coming up, and I mean the most naturally gifted and, you know, maybe had been more physically developed, they just never, they didn't have the senior careers that what they should have had. And it was us smaller um we midgets there was on the wings your cornerbacks your wing half persistent boys <laughs> well persistent or just we hadn't developed maybe quick enough so we had to work really hard at our game and you know by the time we caught up physically with those guys maybe their game hadn't developed because they were just bigger and stronger and ran over the top of the rest of us mm. um so I, I think that does happen just in general across the board um in every club, um, maybe like I said, travel is now an issue or boys heading off to, to university in different areas. In, in fairness, in, in cross, we never really, the vast, vast majority of everybody's go to Belfast, which is an easy enough commuting distance. Like they don't even head to Dublin. Um, where to be fair, I know particularly in, uh, in South, like you get a boys could head to university, you know, could be Galway, could be Sligo, Dublin, Maynooth, whatever. And maybe the, the draw to come back for your club training during the week isn't the same and you know just maybe get out of the, the habit or routine and mm. you can lose them from that um so oh, there's there's plenty that goes into to buy and then boys just can't be bothered uh, that's it which which is fair enough you too. get like, that in cross just the same as you get yeah, that you, know. you, you do you do <laughs> um well next thing i was going to go on there was about the i i noticed i've trained um I've trained with Mac Fitness, of course, up in up in the gym, and I seen I seen I've been in the club room a few times because like I I have cousins from crosses, you know, Paul and Sean Mac and T Anya as well, and would have been up and cross a wee bit. And I always thought the club rooms were were done quite well. That you know you have you have uh, respect, commitment, you have discipline, you have things written up on the wall, and it's quite good that it's a when you walk in there, you can almost get a sense like there's an aura, almost an aura about the place. Was that the same even whenever you were starting off, or is that kind of developed as as the years went went through? No, it, that's always been there, and I can remember again. I go back to I was very fortunate that Dad was the club manager in early to mid nineties, and then the success kicked off. So um, I, I grew up in the changing room and looking around me and seeing everything that was happening, everything that was being said, um, seeing the behaviours. But one thing I can always remember was Dad put up uh, three signs in the change room door was commitment, attitude and discipline mm. um, and they still remain there at the minute um, so that was, it was key aspects as I suppose whenever he took over they might seem like simple words but way back then whenever you, you think of a team that had ability but wasn't being successful it was obviously there was those areas that they weren't up to scratch um, and they were, they were probably key areas, I don't think ability um, was was where they were letting themselves down. Maybe it was just their focus, um, or their all out desire to to do everything that they had to to get, uh, to get a county title. Maybe just wasn't there. And like I said, that's where things sort of stem from. Them. Uh, we do have you know, a few wee key things that are up in the gym and in your change rooms and that there. And again, they're just reminders of uh, why you were there, who were there for. Um, and and the history that has gone before us, um, mm. and I find yeah, things that people overlook. And back whenever your your dad would have been doing it, there wouldn't have been too many other uh, guy teams putting in things like that. And it's just that a reminder because 
you know, we know all these things. We know attitude's important. We know uh, commitment and discipline's important. But it's the reminder, you know, every time you go to train. And even if you don't clock it, you, you subconsciously see it. You know, it's just a little reminder, you know, those things that are important. And then everybody buys into it. And it, then it just becomes a team sort of ethos. That's that's why it really stood out to me. And I think if a, a lot more clubs, you don't have to do the exact same things. You don't have to write something on the wall. It can be something similar. But having an agreed sort of ethos and values is powerful in a team environment. Yeah, and again, like it, it, it's not really about a manager dictating everyone because I think even time has evolved now. And um, like I said, in terms of players being far more educated and more um, knowledgeable, uh, a lot of it is left up to uh, so players themselves to, to place their own environment. But a few key simple things like that there. And if everybody signs up to it, well, then it's fairly easy to pull people back in the lane or, or to... to to have a chat with someone if they just stray off path slightly because it's not it's not a 10 page essay it's not a a long worded uh or long-winded um motto or whatever they're just a few key simple words that this is why we're here this is what we signed up for and this is how we felt we were going to be successful you know is your behavior are you committing to us if you're missing training once a week or twice a week um you know if you're getting sent off if you're getting yellow cards if we're getting freeze brought up is our discipline good it's it's minor stuff, but they can have they can have big impacts uh, across the board in in the simple things that can either go right or go wrong to you. Hundred mm, uh, percent, and kind of branching off off from that uh, discipline. And we were chatting um, on the phone uh, last week, and we were talking about the differences between your time playing football with Cross and Arma, and then playing rugby with Dundalk, which you, you did for a few years there, and we were talking uh, about what the differences were and one of them that you picked up on was co- uh, communication. And uh, I thought that was interesting. And as soon as you said, I kind of clocked it as well. But uh, do you want to elaborate again on why you, what you thought was the, the big difference with the communication between the football and the rugby? Yeah, well, I suppose to, to elaborate completely on it, uh, <laughs> I always followed rugby and, and watched it from afar, but uh, I played a small bit, uh, four or five games way back in 09 with Banbridge because I just knew somebody went there. But um, I had quit county football in 14 and unfortunately we were out early of just a club uh, with with Cross and I didn't really have anything to do then because the season wasn't starting back up well. So uh, I, I, asked, I knew one guy, uh, Thomas Campbell, and I asked him, could I just go out and see how things were in the dog try join in? Um, so like watching it on TV playing as you know yourself it, it's totally different uh, so I didn't literally have a clue what was happening what was going on where it was supposed to be nothing but the one thing that was standing out for me just straight away was the communication levels from everybody from your your front rows to your full back um, you know they all could communicate and it wasn't like in, in Gaelic you'd shout pass it over here or kick the ball you know and you were like where to who what direction, you know, where rugby, and, and I know it, it is different in terms of your GA, your, your 15 positions and that there, uh, where, where rugby, it's sort of your, your two lanes and that there. But for me, I just thought it was brilliant. Um, it was the the level of detail, I suppose, and just getting it across to you quickly that at times you don't even need to look. It's just a wee pop and there's somebody coming off your shoulder. Um, mm. And and for, for and that's that's just at your, your club level in, in Leinster League. Um, for me, it, it was brilliant, and I definitely think that it's it's one area that, in terms of GA teams, and I'm even talking county football, um, that 
definitely can improve on on their communication levels to to help each other out, help your teammate out, and and give them a better picture of what's happening because mm. we have very, you have very little time and space now in, in county football and you're under pressure all the time so if if you can help a teammate by communicating better it'll definitely uh it's, it's only going to be positive do you uh, have you improved your communication because of that do you think uh, I, I definitely have uh i would say probably it was always something that i was actually probably quite good at um but uh it is something that I've I've definitely improved on um, since then, and I say the clarity in what I'm saying more mm-hmm. than than just saying it uh, is, is something that I think I have got better at. Um, but I, I just think across the board, we did we went out and did a training day with um, Lawrence Steen and Enda Murphy and a couple of the boys uh, a few years ago, and that was one thing that they were harping on and all the time. It was literally rugby drill that we were doing but it was just to, to mix things up it was a different environment to get boys thinking um, and it was definitely it was one of the feedbacks from, from the rugby coaches that day that they felt it was an area that we could have massively improved in. Do you think that's something that more people who let's say uh, only played majority one sport for a long while should do is dabble in sports maybe in off season or uh, maybe in their younger days? Absolutely it's, it's a, a regret of mine I played soccer up until I was about 15 or 16 and ended up playing a bit out with Blurgan and then Doc as well um, but I, I never well, I suppose rugby has just really taken off this, this past 20 odd years it, it wasn't I, I wouldn't have known anyone who played rugby I wouldn't even even known the Doc had a rugby team at that stage So, but it, it is I think to, to play a number of different sports as you're growing up um, I think it's, it's massive because it just it just opens your sort of it opens your mind to so many different aspects of, of how you can improve. And then you'll figure out yourself what you're good at or what you like uh, or mm. what you don't like. Um, so even from, from that point of view, um, I, I think it's, it's just, it's excellent for young ones to be getting involved in. I think even from the community, you mentioned the communication. I'm sure that was something you're like, it didn't, it didn't, you didn't realize that the communication wasn't as good until you know, you heard it in somewhere else and you experienced that in the rugby. I find that, sports can sometimes be echo chambers and they all copy what each other do rather than looking in different sports or different areas for, for inspiration. We're getting better at it, but I think it tends to be more, you know, you look at other clubs in your same sport instead of branching out. Yeah, and it does. It's very, very much a copy, copycat nature um, where first team that gets in a strength and conditioning coach right which we'll get in a strength and conditioning coach the first team that listens to the Albertino speech we're all going <laughs> to listen to that you know and it does it, it happens uh, and it, I suppose it, it's just it's having the if you're the coach it's having the confidence to look outside the box and it doesn't have to be a huge thing um, but it, it's just wee small bits that, that you could pick up from that, that you could help. Um, mm. Like I can remember back to it's probably 2004, 2005. Um, and uh, dad was the county manager at that stage. And he got Mike Ford in who, uh, George Ford's dad, he was an England coach and he'd be the bad rugby coach at the minute. But I, it was just a, a really simple thing. He, he come over to take us for a, a session and it was more about intensity physicality and that there but he in a in even hand passing drills where it was a rugby drill that he just had converted to, to GA where we had the round ball and um, mm. he just kept saying have your hands up so like the whole time instead of standing with your hands by your side he wanted your hands up so you were on you were ready to go and he just said it's a simple thing it's your teammates under pressure 
he goes to pass the ball to you. Even that split second, it takes me to take my hands from my hips to in front of my face or to my chest, and then I can get the ball and it's gone again. Um, and Milliseconds lit- that make a difference. Literally, since then, I would just stand with my hands up like that there. My hands will always be ready for the ball. So as soon as it hits my chest, maybe someone's about to tackle me, it's gone again. You know, and it literally was. It was the most simple. I don't know. I don't know how many people paid heed to that comment but it always just stuck with me because it just made absolute sense uh, mm. to me and I, I would always uh, I would always try no matter what drill we're doing no matter if it's a game whenever you're on your hand, your two hands are up you're ready to go to receive the ball and it's gone again um, and they said it, it wasn't rocket science it didn't take them a half an hour to explain it uh, it just was a small simple message that I felt worked really well and that's it. Simple things, boy. That's it. Uh, you, you said at the start, doing the simple things well, you know, if you have all the basic skills in any sport then to a T, you're not going to be too far off. Um, and uh, would you be a man for doing much extras outside of the regular training? Maybe maybe not as much in in, in uh, now because of COVID, you haven't been able to do too much, but usually. In general, to be fair, I would, and that's just come through, I suppose, habits of a, of a lifetime. Um, again, I would count myself very fortunate to, to have grown up, I suppose, in the house that I grew up of and been exposed to, to the teams who were successful in, in Cross and Armagh and even Cross as successful as they were, Dad moving on to Armagh and in terms of strength and conditioning at club level would have been non-existent at that stage, but then you, you were seeing what your county players uh, were doing. So, like, I can go back even to 02 where, like, I can remember, and again, I said Oshin wasn't a big man for um, for talking or for, wouldn't be trying to give him a motivational speech, but I can remember in 02, he used to always call to collect me to, to go and do a gym session with him in Uri, you know, and I was 18. I couldn't get on for cross seniors uh, in a championship. I was struggling to get on the league game. And here you had a fella who was the peak of his powers um, on his way to, to winning an All-Ireland with Armagh or, or only ever All-Ireland, one of the top players in the country. And he was picking you up to, to take you along. So I don't know whether he was just looking company or whether <laughs> he's seen something that... Uh, he, he was trying to encourage me it was never a conversation that happened but ever since then I, I've just sort of been in the habit and in the routine um, in terms of your, your conditioning your mind, how you mind yourself uh, off the field and even away from your playing group um, and it's, it's something that I enjoy doing um, yeah. I, I, you know you like looking after yourself um, you feel better for it um, physically mentally there, there's so many benefits that come from it and uh, my wife's a dietitian as well, so that obviously ah, helps. On the, yeah, well, she she can put the right food in front of me, and she she can cook because I can't. So <laughs> again, 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 it's another fortunate perk that I have. I was great. There's one of the questions that were sent in was going to be about how do you manage, you know, playing playing football, running a business, having kids, and uh, getting the right food and all of that. But that is a made that's a major help there. That's <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, tip so, is uh, find find, uh, find yourself yeah, a dietitian and nutritionist and you're well sorted. <laughs> absolutely. Whenever you're looking at all these girls in their Instagram bios, see who see who's studying dietetics in college, and then give them a shout. <laughs> get in there. But uh, yeah, I can't I can't take credit. Uh, from the nutritional aspect, beans and toast I'd probably burn. So um, <laughs> all, all of that, and yeah, I have to I have to put it down to the wife for that there. Ah, not too bad. Uh, is there any other uh, habits like when you go to training? Do you always 
do same things? Do you kick a few balls afterwards? Do you do extra sprints? What's what sort of have what are the habits that you kind of build up over the years now that you have keep you driving on? Uh, to to be honest, uh, I just I would try and be your first man on the field and your last man off it, um, because again, it's sort of it's it's leading by example and um, setting the right attitude. Uh, getting out onto the field probably has changed a bit in that, like you have your mobility stuff now, your foam rolling, your activation, and all that there, which everyone seems to be doing now before you you go onto the field. But after it, I, I would always try to stay behind. Um, particularly shooting practice or a bit of foot passing, that extra foot passing. Um, just again, just making sure that you've nailed the basics um, so that whenever it comes to it, whenever the pressure comes on, um, that you're able to execute. Uh, and again, it, not, in, not in like no rocket science. Uh, like I, I do, I see guys who stay behind after to do shooting practice and they're all standing over on the 14 on the sideline trying to spin them over off the outside of their boot. Give me the boy who's kicking 10 from the edge of the D um, every night, three or four times a week. Uh, and he's the boy who's going to nail it for you whenever you need it most at the weekend. Um, and uh, th- that's, again, there's something that, that it, I just feel better in myself because I know I have the work done. Um, if, if I'm kicking over, uh, like I said, it'd be no more than 10 or 15 every night. Like I said, fairly simple. Mm-hmm. 30 meters out edge of the day um, it just means that whenever you're coming running at pace and maybe someone hanging out of you um, that you've done this over and over again and you have the confidence in yourself it's almost automatic at that stage that's the way you want it to be um, yeah. I, last few questions we're going to branch off into some quick fire ones uh, pre-warning there's some of your former uh, teammates in rugby that have sent in a few questions so these could these could be interesting. <laughs> uh, hardest hardest fella you've uh, you've ever been hit by in training or in a game. Uh, the 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 biggest humiliation I've ever got was Jamard Marsden in my very first night on the Armagh panel in two thousand and it was late two thousand and three, early two thousand and four preseason training. And it was humiliation. Um, <laughs> it was basically you stood in the 45, a defender and a forward. So he was the forward, I was the defender. And you had to run, he had to run and score a goal. I had to tackle him. Uh, and he just put the, give me a hand off, a bucket like Bambi on ace. <laughs> he went straight through, stuck it in the net. And then I had to run in, get the ball off the goalkeeper, and I had to take it out the opposite side. Oh, um, and he beat me into a pulp. I don't even think I got out. I'd, I'd say I, fa- I fell 20 times, and I don't, even, <laughs> I don't even think I got past the 14. So that was definitely, for me, it was like, shit, you're up with the big boys now. You need to fucking get yourself in shape here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that, was, that was a humiliation. Uh, a few times, I, I was very close to, I seen the Pearly Gates where I was caught going back for a ball and Francie was coming out. Um, <laughs> I knew there uh, had to be a Francie-related yeah, story yeah. in here. <laughs> well, that's the, the funny, Francie must have liked me because I just, there was a few times where, like, He'd, he'd come out win the ball and there was one him in particular I was like coming back and it just dropped and he was coming to me he just sort of went I was like shit I'm dead here <laughs> and he, he let me get it and he just jog out and come back and he just laughed and says I could have killed you there <laughs> and you're like thanks Francie good job you didn't but yeah it was I was very fortunate that I, I dodged him a few times but I would say it was more he took pity out of me than anything else <laughs> yeah you're lucky he liked you there then <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, no, in terms of in terms of rugby, Jesus, like to be fair, 
nearly all the boys. Um, Big James McConnell giving me an awful slapping around the field out in the dark one name and the Murphy. Um, rugby's just different, like you know, the, the wee small backs, the, yeah, the wee small backs who just want to get the odd tray, just avoid probably three quarters of a rugby team and you'll be all right. Yeah, <laughs> stay away from the pack if there's, any, yeah. if there's a rock run to the other side of the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't be long learning. No. Uh, speaking of physicality, what was it like playing the international rules? That like 2008. Uh, it's a wee while ago, but I'm sure you. Uh, I'm I'm sure you remember it well still. I, I do. Yeah, it was. Um, I suppose that was an eye opener for me in terms of I found the the rugby tackle at that stage so frustrating. It was humiliating um, to get rugby tackle because you just weren't used to it at all. So just getting used to it and training for the first few weeks, um, it was tough because, you know, you're you're coming bursting out with a ball like Gaelic football and maybe someone just comes up behind you, wraps you, puts you to the ground and you just feel like two foot tall. You know, it, it is it's a humiliating experience and it does take getting used to. Um, but even at that time, Sean Boylan was our manager and he had Trevor Brennan. Um, who was actually at Toulouse, I think, at that time. Mm. But he, he used to come in to do coaching with us just on the Saturday, Saturday morning, just purely, purely on, on your tackling technique, um, even in terms of how you protected your, your head or which shoulder you, you led with um, and protecting yourself whenever you're falling. So, mm. again, th- th- that helped. Um, but you never got really nailed too many times. Um, it still was a fairly open game um, mm. where I, I would have found that even a, a rugby training session, you just, you'd just get beat up way more than, than you would probably in, in one of those full international games. I, I, I used to love the, the rugby sessions where we'd be doing nothing but rock, rocks and just like crashing it up and the backs would be hating their life out there or just <laughs> smashing up. I'd say you're, you didn't know what was going on the first session you entered that was like that, I'd say. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget it. Like, uh, Bruffin become, uh, become very, very important whenever... Any at that stage was just all in physicality. So again, yeah, Jesus, it's something that you're not used to. Like obviously there is physicality in Gaelic, but um, in terms of just the bone on bone contact, whenever they want, you know, a full contact session, it's yeah, it's definitely it's a it's a different experience altogether. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, it takes a certain man. <laughs> it's uh, a bad man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, best player you've been marked by or marked. Uh, the best player that I've I've marked uh, was Jamer Conley. Um, I I done something. To, I was in the middle of lockdown last year. Irish News did did something where they had asked your 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 three best players, and um, there was a fella in Armagh. He was Ronan Clark. He was the Armagh All Star. His younger brother Connor was the same age as me, um, and he was still playing even up to this year with the club. But he he was just. He was so hard to mark at club level. Um, just ran all day. You know, physical could win his own ball. Two footed. Um, just he was a nightmare. Um, so I, like even from underage right up to senior, huge battles with him. And then at county level, um, like I was fortunate to mark so many top players. Um, but uh, Conley uh, would definitely he'd have to be up there. He'd give me an absolute hose in, in an All Ireland club semi final. Uh, yeah, it was a day I'll never forget. But uh, he was only starting out at that stage too. Um, but uh, he just, he was solo and right foot, left foot. Looked like he was off balance. I was thinking, he's not going to score here. Next thing, bang, over the bar. I think he had three points scored in the first 10 minutes. And I was like, 
shit, you better do something here because uh, I was under serious pressure. But yeah, he he literally he was only starting out, um, and he, he hadn't even made a Dublin panel at that stage. But um, I suppose the, the major consolation I can take from it is that. There's, there's many a defender across the country that took the same hosing for about 10 years, 15 years after. So, uh, no, yeah. it was, uh, so it's, it's good to, to say that you, you come up against one of the all-time greats. It is, it is. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure the next time you were, uh, you were marking anybody, you were just a little bit, uh, you, you didn't doubt their unbalancedness. You're like, this buck can still score even if he's unbalanced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it is. And to be fair, like once you hit your top county players, the vast majority of them probably were like that. Um, you know, you had Bernard Brogan, Galvin, Benny Cole. Or, uh, you would have come up against all them boys so uh, yeah you, you appreciated fairly quickly that time and space had to be closed down whenever you were near those boys or else the the white flag was going to be raised oh 100% uh, are you, do you have any pre-match rituals or do you eat the same meal before g- games or anything like that um, not, not really I, I would just try and stick to suppose your, your basics in terms of um time scales that I would always like to be about probably two and a half three hours I'd probably be hungry two and a half hours just sort of suited me right um and then my few snacks and that there before it but um not keep it simple your chicken uh rice bit of broccoli maybe some pasta um keep whatever it yeah, yeah. Whatever my wife was willing to give me. <laughs> uh, so you've you've you picked the hardest, uh, yeah, the the hardest uh, player you marked. What would be your who'd be your favorite footballer to watch? Um, that I would have played with, or to, no, to just in general, just back in general. Watch mm. In in general, to sit back and watch now, uh, Conor Callaghan. Uh, I just I, I love Everton about him. Um, mm. his ball willing ability, his willingness to take people on. Uh, you know the fact that he can shoot off his right and left foot um, the condition of him um, and to be honest with you he's in the go now what four maybe four or five years who knows anything about him doesn't <laughs> do social media yeah. um, rarely see him doing interviews apart from if he's getting man a match um, and to me just looks uh, he looks the business. Um, you know, someone who you know you'd be you'd be you'd love to play with. You'd be proud of he's your own son, and someone that every young fella should should be looking up to try and emulate. So, in terms of how he goes about his business, um, he's 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 just he's he's class to watch. Um, and he's someone that I think every young fella, even if you're not a forward, every young fella should should be looking at and how he doesn't get involved in anything. You never see him involved in variables, nothing. You know, but. Shays away from absolutely nothing. So for me, he, he has absolutely everything. I think there's a lot to be said about quietly grafting, and uh, you know, you don't, you're saying you don't see him do interviews and social media and stuff like that. Uh, you can appreciate that. Just getting the head down, walking, and you know, he can do all of that whenever he's finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, right. Last couple of ones before I let you go off. Um, who would win Dublin now? Armagh 2002. I got this one sent in. <laughs> <laughs> Someone trying to get me killed in our man. <laughs> Isaac, he's gonna have to tread this one very carefully. Yeah, yeah. Uh ah, here, to be fair, the the Dublin team at the moment and what they have done is it's outrageous. Um like even them going to win five in a row last year. My only reason why they couldn't win five in a row is just because they couldn't, because 
I didn't have a reason. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to have to have everything, and for, for me again, like, and it goes back to it, like you hear everyone, ah, oh, I've won a certain amount, and all oh, my hunger went, and my desire went, and I fell out of love with the game or whatever. Those Dublin boys are playing like they have no medals, yeah. you know, and like that is to me like, and I suppose I can say I've been forced, I've been involved in successful teams, and like I said, I, I know how much you can lose the run of yourself or you can lose focus you know because you think oh, it's just going to happen like um but the the way those boys prepare themselves and just the hunger to to not be beaten um the ability to continuously do the simple things whenever they're at maximum pressure like the I suppose if I put it back to ourselves like we crossed it or no one had ever done 14 county titles in a row Ballina had done 13 oh, of 100 something years ago and we, we had the opportunity to go and do it in 2009 and we took our eye off the ball and we didn't do it. Um, that was our opportunity to create history. Um, in 2013, no one had done three All-Ireland clubs in a row and we had the, the opportunity uh, and, and we didn't do it. Carvin obviously have since done it. Um, but there was huge pressure that came with that. And, and to be fair to us, like a, a, probably a huge amount of our focus went on, we were just, all we wanted to do was get to that end result. Like get to, you, you didn't want to even play the first round, the second round, the semi-final or whatever. You just wanted to win that county title or mm. win that All-Ireland. Um, where I think that's something that they seem to have mastered is that they, they just worry. And again, it's a boring old thing where they'll control the controllables or they'll focus on the next game. Um, but I have no doubt that that's what has enabled them to not only win five, but then to go on and win six All-Irelands whenever the amount of distractions that is on their doorstep in terms of, um, you know, nightlife, population. Uh, they have everything that could You can do anything there. in Dublin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we're, again, that's a way of a perk, like, there's not much to do in crossing the end of a Tuesday night to no bar go train and there's plenty to do in Dublin so yeah for, for those boys to, to be able to continuously do it at the level that they're doing it's it's incredible and I have to say um, even someone who's practically finished up even at club level I just have massive admiration for them and even I am continuously trying to to improve or, or to take something from how they perform and how they prepare themselves a, a less a less serious question here would you regard your uh, your Leinster Division One A Seconds League medal uh, with Dundalk higher than your achievements with Cross? <laughs> you can guess uh, who that one was from, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely, and the only thing that gets me is that unfortunately, or I had a friend's wedding on the same day, so I missed that bus trip back home from Enniscorthy whenever oh, they did the double. That would have been mad. They, they did the double on on the same day. Um, did Leinster one uh, A and one B? Um, so I know f- for me, like that year was it was brilliant. Um, I just come into the club and uh, everything was going well. Um, we were winning week in week out, and it it was definitely it was a really really enjoyable time. Um, and thankfully, I've I've still remained good friends with a lot of the boys from then. Mm. Ah, sure. If they, win, if they win it and again, you'll be the first man down for the celebrations anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, last, last two wee bits then. Uh, is there any, I don't know if you're a big man for reading, but is there any books that you've read, like sports books or anything along those lines that you would recommend to people? Um, probably not. I, I'd be a bit of a, I'd be odd enough in terms of like, there's people who I'd really admire. Um, 
in terms of sport, but mm. um, well, you can go for that instead. I, then, if you're not a big I, reader, I, no, but, but I, I mightn't even read their books. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> the, the, the biggest book, the, the maddest book that I ever read in sporting terms was a, a guy called Ben Cousins, um, who was an, an EFL superstar, uh, player of the year, and uh, he had a book called Such as Life. Um, it was more from a well, growing up, he his dad was a professional rules player, and he uh, he was a brilliant underage player. Went on to be top class AFL player, but just got sidetracked with drink and drugs, and his life spiraled out of control. So for me, it was probably the maddest book um, that that I read. Um, uh, to be fair, I've, I've probably done the vast majority of audi- of the autobiographies, but um, I probably just have enjoyed the read of them and haven't scribble down notes from them all um uh, you don't have to take notes it... from books all the time i think yeah people when it comes to books like that they always think they have to learn from it sometimes it's good to just fucking escape for a wee while just enjoy the read yeah enjoy That's the insight um last one then any any films or any uh documentaries that uh you enjoy and you recommend in that same sense um i, I suppose the Again, probably everyone has seen it, um, but uh, there was a documentary on Amazon that the All Blacks did um, a couple of years ago. It was about a seven or eight part series. And uh, I, again, I, I just I, I enjoyed watching it, number one, because similarly probably to the likes of your Dublin and that there, uh, you just enjoy seeing teams that are successful. Um, but I think, again, what it reinforced for me was uh, their focus was all on what was best for the All Blacks, creating the right culture for that there. But in terms of what you've seen them doing, it was the basics. Um, like everyone obviously worked hard, trained hard and that there. But they again have the ability to execute the the vital skills when needed um, whenever the pressure is at its most. And I think again, sometimes you think that this is a extra human thing that, you know, Dublin, there's something in the water in Dublin or there's something in the water in New Zealand. Um, and really it's not uh you, you you pair it all back and you just have human beings like the rest of us who um are just very very good at their at their chosen sport so that sort of brought that home to me was that you know they're superstars but they're all buying into the one ethos about the, the one culture um but there's so much of it is based around doing the basics doing it well doing it at pace um that it was yeah just again it was it was a good easy insight into seeing how some of the best players and one of the highest performing teams in the world operate mm, it's a very very good series there's a whole like i think it's is that the all or not all or nothing i think all or nothing they have a it, whole yeah. different team loads of different teams and all that'll keep you entertained for hours if you like that shit yeah. um yeah, yeah. but uh just to kind of go full circle if you're a football player and you're listening to this Doing the small things well can never be uh, underestimated. It came up so much in that conversation. And the same thing with ethos, um, whether we're talking about Dublin or we're talking about All Blacks or Cross, those two things are very important and buying into it is is massive. Um, but thank you for coming on, Aaron, man. I enjoyed that a lot. It was a good bit of crack. Darren, my pleasure. Thank you very much. Appreciate the offer. Thank you if you've made it to the end of this episode. As usual, please go on to social media, take a picture of the podcast, share it to your story, tag me in it, and help get this podcast out uh, help get this podcast out to a few more people.
especially if you have any friends that are into sport, into Gaelic football, if you have friends from Cross McGlen, send it to them um, and spread the word of the podcast. If you want to get digging deeper into Cross McGlen Rangers Football Club, there's a series on YouTube called True North Series. Uh, True North Series 6. <laughs> and Cross McGlen Field of Dreams is the name of that one. And that's a brilliant little insight into two seasons of the football club. And at the time, Mushy McConville and John McEntee were the managers. Aaron was playing, so it's an interesting insight. You can follow on from that, and there's loads of videos about Cross McGlen. You can find any amount of uh, chats with players and former managers. So, good luck to you if you're heading down the rabbit hole. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions about what we chat about today, or if you want to have a chat about the podcast, head on over to Instagram, CoachPig underscore Higher Training. If you're on Twitter, I am at McGuinness Boy. Send me a question, give me a wee well boy, whatever you want to do. Alright, I'm going to leave you with this music. You enjoy the rest of your day.